Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. Did you ever attend youth camps or retreats as a young kid? They were usually a lot of fun, but well, I guess that depended on who ran them. I remember one director who used an old metal wash tub. You know, the ones that are about 20 to 24 inches in diameter for the always too early wake up call. He would stand in the middle of a barn-like structure that had two levels of rooms around the outside of the center. He would bang that wash tub hard. Wonder if he had earplugs. That was not a welcome sound, starting out the day that way. The rest of the day had to be better, right? Getting together around the campfire in the evening was usually a time of singing and listening to someone speak about life and God. Some of these times were good, contemplative opportunities to think about who I was and why I was here. The big questions we couldn't help but encounter as we were growing up. Other times were not so peaceful, like sitting through a miserable talk that was a judgmental, guilt-inducing manipulation of the heart. Looking back, it seemed a bit like spiritual abuse. The idea in both cases was to help us behave like perfect, mistake-free kids who would make our parents, our church, and of course, God very proud. There was a story that the speakers would use on occasion to illustrate our spiritual struggle in life. It seems like there were a few variations of the story, and I don't remember it all that well. You may have heard it. The gist of it was that as we go through life, it's like we have an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other. Whenever there was a moral decision to be made, we would hear from both the angel and the demon. They were each trying to persuade us for their side. Of course, it was a given that the angel would always have the right argument. The angel would help us to know what we should do. In my case, it was often hard to know which was worse, to ignore the angel outright and not even give time to hearing why we should or shouldn't do something, or to hear out the angel's argument and finally decide to go the other direction anyway. These moral decisions were almost always based on behavior, to do or not to do something. Spiritual life was in the balance. We were warned that the demon would appeal to what we wanted, what we would like, what would feel good. We were told that following the demon's advice would be the easy way out. Doing the right thing was hard, but we needed to do what was right and good. So, do we follow our conscience or the temptation? We could even keep score. If we listened to the angel more than the demon, we were making progress. If we did that with some of the really big decisions like not having sex or doing drugs, well, those meant that we could feel pretty good about ourselves. Of course, on the flip side, to have made the wrong decision was to mean our connection with God was suspect, that the struggle would be even harder. Did you go through anything like this growing up? We were encouraged to begin working on this then because it would only get harder as we got older. Here we are, 12, 13, 14-year-olds or older, trying to make sense of who we are and what life is about. Now, it sure sounds like it will be at least a difficult effort, maybe even a hopeless, lifelong struggle to do what is right. For the most part, the camp leaders were well-intentioned. They were doing the best that they knew. They really did care about the kids personally and spiritually. Later, in my young adult years, I participated in leadership for a lot of these youth camps and youth retreats. With memories quite fresh of my earlier experience of these camps, my focus was more on the contemplative approach. Unfortunately, I still didn't have some very important aspects of life, myself, and God figured out. While hopefully not causing lifelong spiritual damage to the campers, 
I'm not sure how much good spiritual direction they got from me. While learning always continues, this is definitely one of those I-wish-I-knew-then-what-I-know-now situations. How about you? Have you finally got life figured out? Completely? Any loose ends? At all? Or do you just have enough figured out to survive? Or maybe just enough to keep going with what is until, well, until it's over? Some of us seem to give the impression that we do have life all figured out, but probably nobody else believes that we really do. For good reason. At best, I may have something figured out somewhat for myself, but even so, you don't think it would totally apply to you anyway, right? Why do you think that is? I suspect you, like most of us, are somewhere on the figuring life out continuum, moving back and forth along it, depending on life circumstances. Sometimes, okay often, we think we have something figured out about life's meaning and purpose, only to find out, sometimes years later, we really don't understand it as well as we thought we did. Is that okay? Can we ever exhaustively figure it out? Let's personalize it a little bit more precisely. How about you, yourself? How are you doing in figuring yourself out? Who are you as a person? Why you are you? Let's approach it from this angle. What is your nature? Hmm. Now that begs the question, what's nature? What's natural? We all assume we know what it means depending on the context. Let's think about it. Is nature what was intended to be? What is supposed to be? Should be? What is normal? What's our nature as people? What's human nature versus other natures? How did nature come to be? It can be a challenge to think along these lines when listening to a podcast. Thanks for trying. You probably enjoy some of what we might call inanimate or lifeless nature. Picture a winter mountain scene without people or animals. Just the rich blue of a sunny sky contrasted with the deep green of evergreen trees and the brilliant white of fresh snow. Or picture a multi-layered, subtle, color-changing sunset over a pristine ocean beach as the tide comes in. Again, without people or animals. Even though there is no apparent living qualities to the inanimate nature we experience, there is beauty, serenity, even what seems to be soul-connecting moments. There's also animate, or alive, aspects of nature. Picture a cheering crowd at a sporting event, the facial expressions, joyful sounds, electrifying energy, or the beauty of the flashing color of fish randomly darting through the water while snorkeling in the ocean. There is something deeply magical about actual, dynamic life. As opposed to lifeless nature, this makes the contrast with death start. Yet, how is our personal or human nature different from other forms of life? Think about how do we factor in things like thoughts, imagination, creativity, goals, and planning? How do we factor in morals and ethics? Let's go deeper. What's the very core of our being, our existence? How do we understand who we are in the innermost part of us? Is our nature our thoughts, our emotions, our body, our spirit? Is our nature all of the above mixed together? If so, in what proportions? Is the physical dominant, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual? Do all of these blend into one melded entity that is our identity, our essence, our very personhood? Phew, that's a lot to digest and try to figure out. Of course, we can assume whatever or just ignore as a response to these questions. 
But it seems to me we are more fulfilled and more appreciative of and even relish our life when we have some satisfying, even if not totally complete answers. Sitting around a campfire at a youth camp, these are some of what we thought and talked about. It's taken most of my life to get here, but here's what helps me. Maybe I'll make some sense to you. If not, please let me know so I can continue the refining process. Foundationally, we aren't an accident. Our existence isn't a fortune or misfortune of chance. If we were, there isn't any amount of contemplation or explanation that would give purpose or meaning to life in general, or to you and me in particular. Now you see it, now you don't. Next. One of those closest to Jesus, named James, made this comment about life and our plans for it. You are nothing but a wisp of fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. So, yes, life is fleeting, and death, it can happen at any time. Our last breath will be taken, and it could happen, whenever. Until then, how do we figure out meaning and purpose? I believe evidence suggests that we have been designed with an intricacy of living cells arranged for relational intimacy. Again, you and I have been designed, created, on purpose. Our intricate living cells require intimate interaction with another life, especially another human life. We can't bodily survive without each other. And that's just the physical part of life. Now, add in your soul. Maybe that's the blend of mind, will, and emotions. Each of those areas have a myriad of distinctions at any given moment. And that's just you. This complexity of life and living now abounds in endless exclusive identities. It's like we each are a customized craftsmanship of super-intelligent inspiration that's humanly unfathomable in its fullness. Finally, the spiritual component of life must be considered. While this may seem to be the most vague aspect to our life, it also seems to be the most important part of us. It is the deepest, most central, absolute core of our being. Our spirit is the part of us that best connects us to each other and to our inspired Creator. As such, it's what determines our eternal destiny. Having followed this episode to this point, you are to be congratulated for perseverance. There is a ton of processing that's been compressed into a short time. Hopefully it has been at least stimulating some good thinking on your part. A bit of clarity and understanding of your existence? Well, that would be even better. So what we've been doing in this episode so far is trying to define and understand the word nature and what it means for us as humans. As you can see, the exact words to define it are somewhat elusive. That suggests that it might mean slightly different things to each of us. Nature in the environmental sense is pretty well understood. Most of us have some soul-touching qualities in our natural surroundings when absorbing the beauty we see, hear, feel, smell, and even taste. In some important way, environmental beauty provides some perspective to life. We are internally enriched. Why do you think that is? Beyond environmental nature, we also refer to human nature. That would be the deepest core essence of our existence. It goes beyond body and soul. I also think of it as our human spirit. Then, there is what we might call divine nature. This is nature in its purest form, fully holy, sacred, righteous, good, trustworthy, perfect in every way. In a word, divine nature is love. I believe God is love, so God has, is divine nature. I believe God is the I am, 
God is life. God is spirit. God is love. God has always existed. This explains the creation of the universe in general, and you and me in particular. God is ultimate. This includes being the ultimate creator, one who gives life. God is the reason nature exists, both environmental and human. A creative and relational God designed humans with his spiritual nature for relationship with him. Since we were given life by God, our human spirit was modeled after the spirit of God. Our human nature was divine. We could relate to our designer deity through the perfect divine spirit he gave us. There was nothing lacking in our being. We could love and relate to each other and God seamlessly. We were living and experiencing nature as it was created to be. This is nature in its truest form. It could last forever. It could, but it didn't. Why? The nature of an interactive love relationship necessarily includes the ability and opportunity to make decisions about that relationship. Choices that recognize individual value and distinctions and how to mix and match those within a relationship saturated with love. God did that with the first humans. They seemed to do so with God for some time. Anything less than a relationship is to have a relationship that isn't natural. It's not what was intended. It's not what should be normal. In fact, it borders on being mechanical, digitized. In a word, loveless. In another word, lifeless. Obviously, with human history and current events as evidence, something has gone terribly wrong with nature, as it was created and intended to be. Much of this is considered in an earlier episode of Grace Intersect, the one reflecting on Adam and Eve. What went wrong is kind of like when Mount Vesuvius exploded. The environmental nature was drastically changed. Human nature was also powerfully impacted, especially those residing in Pompeii who didn't escape. When unloving choices were made by humans in their relationship with God, it resulted in the blowing up of their created divine spirit. Their perfection was pulverized. Human nature was no longer pure, like God's nature. It was tainted, corrupted, imperfect. Even today, the term human nature most often refers to our weaknesses, failings, fallibility. Rightly so. The aftermath of our poor choices with God included the loss of a pure love relationship. The loss of God's perfection in our spirit resulted in human death. Perfection doesn't die. Imperfection can't live forever. We're broken and can't fix ourselves. Imperfection cannot make itself perfect. That could be the tragic end of the human story, but it doesn't have to be. Why? Because God continues to love perfectly, even if our love is untrustworthy. God demonstrated that level of incredible, boundless love by physically interacting with us in the form of Jesus. Jesus had the originally created perfect human nature in the flesh while retaining his divine nature as God. Once again, a human walked this earth with the spirit and nature God gave him. This human had a perfect love relationship with his God. Jesus made all the right choices in his relationship with God. His spirit was totally trustworthy. Because of that, he was qualified to break the curse of our imperfection. He alone could conquer our inevitable death through his own death and resurrection. He alone could bring redemption to our otherwise hopelessly crushed spirits. And he did all this because of his great love for us. This is called grace. God and Jesus didn't have to give us the opportunity to be rescued from imperfection and death. Well, maybe in some way they did. 
Their loving desire for relationship with us compelled them to provide a way for us. God wants to be in loving relationship with us. That's why we were created. That's why you and I were born. As was mentioned earlier, this kind of relationship requires making choices. God is providing a life rescue if we choose to accept it. What God has promised is that we as humans can have our current broken, irreparably human nature demolished in spiritual death. He will then give us a new heart, a new spirit, a new nature within us. We literally, spiritually have His DNA and are a natural part of His family. Thinking of youth camps again, one more thing I would tell the kids is that when God gives you a new heart, a new spirit, you can trust it. Don't worry about the competition between the angel and the demon. There is no competition. Your relationship with God is settled. All your poor behavior has been forgiven, past, present, and future. You can't make God any more or less proud of you by your behavior. In your heart resides your deepest passions and desires. Those are now aligned with God. Just focus on your love relationship with God. He isn't focused on your poor behavior, and you don't need to be either. The God of the universe, your personal creator, is also your recreator, and he's got you and won't ever let you go. Ever. Peter was one of those closest to Jesus while he was living as a human. His behavior wasn't always something to emulate. Several years after the resurrection of Jesus, he wrote to some believers these encouraging words. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Nature, pristine, spotless, perfect, eternally pure, divine, the way God made it to be, natural. It's ours for the asking, and God's grace and peace continue to grow in us as we enjoy our love relationship with Him. Amazing. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process grace together, please know your thoughts and questions are always welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website, or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.